heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome, everybody. Episode 59, YWC Football Talk. Um, The AFC champion and the NFC champions have been crowned. And who else to break it down with? And also, too, we're going to talk some Patriots. I'm just going to call this episode what it is off the bat. But this is Pat's Talk with Pat Lane. Uh, Pat, how are we doing today, buddy? Griff, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm happy to be back and looking forward to... uh, to talking some Patriots and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, uh, little Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl, but not for the not for the good guys anymore. Uh, although this week they'll be the good guys because they play in the Chiefs, but um, but no longer no longer the good guys, you know. And also, too, I am putting my money on him not because it's Tom, but they're also going to be wearing their whites in the Super Bowl. And but you know what though, that's a. Was that a Bucks? The Bucks are the home team, are they not? They well, the NFC was always going to be the home team. It just happens right. like, hey, Bucks in the Super Bowl home stadium. No, but I mean, what I'm saying to you is that oh. they're the home team, so they get to choose, right? Yes, but so that backfired. Now in 2017, the Patriots were the home team, and they chose to wear white, and that backfired on them. When they wear white, they've been good, but they've been the designated away team those games. When they have the choice and they've gone white, that's only they've only done that once. They lost that game, so I'm not saying it's going to happen again. But you know, I, I don't, I don't love the decision. I would have liked to see them wear their home colors. But. Um, also, to a fun fact about this game was it was supposed to be originally played at the new SoFi Stadium, but because of construction delays, I guess the NFL said we need your stadium to be open. I think X amount of time before you play. So now next year's obviously in LA. So it was, right. like it'd just be funny too, also because like it would be an absolute normal week if. Tampa wasn't playing in the Super Bowl. Both teams travel there on Saturday, and like nothing else really goes on. Right. But well, that, it's a huge event. It's a big competitive advantage for Tampa because you know typically you do, like you said, you get down there. You're down there a week before the game, and you can get acclimated and everything else. And you know it's not that it's like it's not Green Bay where they're you know negative whatever negative ten up there right now going to Tampa, but. It's still pretty cold in, in Kansas City, and so to go from that weather to show up on Saturday to now, you know, if it's 75, 80 at kickoff, I mean, and it may not be. Like, who knows what the weather's going to be, but if, you know, if it's a warm night down there, that could be an advantage for Tampa Bay, you know, with Kansas City coming in, you know, and not not prepared for that, you know, for that type of humidity uh, and heat. So, you know, not a huge difference, but, you know, could you could see some difference there. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you on that. Like, it's not because I remember this takes me back to a game a few years ago with the Patriots. Um, I believe it was yeah, it was against Jacksonville in 2018 week two, and it was like unbelievably hot down there, and you could tell right away that the Patriots just weren't ready for the heat. And meanwhile, Jacksonville was because obviously they live there. We'll see though. Cause Florida in February isn't exactly like hell, but it's not exactly like like you're right though. Like you give yourself time to get climatized. Meanwhile, with this whole trip, it's going to be like a normal game day routine for some of these guys, but it's it's going to be an interesting one to see what happens, and um, with that note, let's just dive right into it, NFC Championship. You told me something off air that you wanted to talk about, because obviously yeah. Green Bay came up short, but I'm going to let you take this one. All right, so 
so the end of, end of the game, obviously, Green Bay's got the ball. First of all, Aaron Rodgers, completely inexcusable for him to not run on third down. I mean, you know, even if he doesn't score, he's going down at the one-yard line at worst, maybe the two. So the, the one of the two-yard line, and then at that point, you're 100% going for it. But I actually think they made the right decision, and I don't know if I don't know if right decision is is the is the right word for it. I personally would have kicked the field goal though. That's what I would have done. I think I think that they were correct, and the reason why is this: even if you score a touchdown, which is unlikely, even if you get the two point conversion, which is also fairly unlikely. So say you have a, say you have a thirty percent chance of that of those two things happening. Great. Now you've tied the game. Now there's two minutes left, and you give Tom Brady the ball. And if you don't stop him, you lose. It's that simple. And I know people are like, well, you know, but yeah, but if you, you know, uh, well, yeah, but two first downs, like, it's different. And I get that. But two first downs and field goal range, that's 15 yards. It's not like, it's not like, oh, they had to pick up one first down and you had no timeouts. If you have no timeouts left and there was a minute 20 left, well, then, of course, you have to go for it. But with with three timeouts and the two-minute warning, my thought process was kick the field goal. It's almost an automatic field goal. Now you're down by five. One score. Yes, it's still a touchdown, right? And it's people, oh, you go from down to touchdown to down to touchdown. That's fine. But you also have to remember that two-point conversion is not guaranteed now. It's like 50%, right? So, you know, so you, and you also didn't convert the two-point conversion earlier in the game. So, you know, so you, all those things kind of come into play. But for me... What you do is now you go down by less than a touchdown. A touchdown now wins the game instead of tying the game, and you have to get a stop anyways. If you can't stop Tampa, you lose, no matter what happens. If you score a touchdown and tie the game, you can't stop Tampa, you lose. If you go for it there and you're unable to stop them, you lose. Like, it doesn't – no matter what happens, if your defense can't stop Tampa, you lose the game. And so – that's where I look at it and just say, okay, well, you kick the field goal, you take the guaranteed three points, and then you say, okay, defense, you're going to have to make a stop already. Go out and make a stop, and now we have a chance to go win the game. And that's that's what I would have done, um, and I thought they made the right call, and everyone went nuts like it was the dumbest thing they'd ever done. And again, you know, yeah, I mean, you can make the argument. I think the, the win percentage was like 1%. It's not like it was a 10% swing. It was like 1% difference. So it's not really, you know, the argument there isn't super strong. I get it. I get people that say you should have gone for the touchdown. That's fine. I think that that's reasonable. But I don't think it was, I also don't think it was like the stupidest thing that Matt LaFleur ever did. Uh, you know, and, and then he went out and apologized. Oh, we probably should have gone for it. Like, no, no. The, the outcome. And this is what happens with people, and I'm sorry to I go, go on a little rant here, but it's all the issue good. is is that people, not everyone now, but a lot of people look at the results and they say, okay, that was the right decision or the wrong decision based on the results. The results have nothing to do with the decision making, right? Bill Belichick doesn't call a timeout in Super Bowl 49. If, if Seattle scores a touchdown there, everyone says he's the dumbest human being on the face of the planet. What the hell is he doing not giving, the, not giving Brady the ball back? But Wilson throws an interception, and everyone says, oh, my God, what a genius. And it's like, well, no, it was a good decision. Maybe you didn't see that at the time, but it was the right decision by him. He forced Carroll into doing the whole thing. But the idea is that the results shouldn't matter, and the reaction from people is because the result was bad. Imagine if Green Bay had stopped in three and out and then gone down and scored a touchdown. What would everyone be talking about now? No one would be saying, well, what a dumb decision to kick the field goal. They'd be saying, wow, what a genius. 
he kicked the field goal, and then they won it with a, with a touchdown with Rodgers. So, you know, it's just it's it's a results driven league, and that's what happens. But again, the decision I don't think was that bad. No, like it has it's a double sided coin almost. Like, look, like hey, you didn't go for it. I do agree with you on the whole thing about Rodgers not running it on third down. Like your third and goal. Clearly, you were trying to go for Devontae Adams. Clearly, look, the green, the Tampa Bay secondary, which has really stepped up in this postseason, um, has shown, look, they knew we have to cover Adams. Rodgers runs to even the two. You get to the two, you know what, it's not as bad. There, he just like threw the ball away. He panicked under pressure. Um, I do agree with you, too, even with the Super Bowl forty nine thing, because the one play that lives my head rent-free is Brian Flores screaming, Malcolm, go. Um just for, that's just on that note, Super Bowl yeah. Forty Nine. But it's like any decision, though, with like certain games where it's like the oh, what if he does this and he looks stupid? It's like the same thing too. If Kyle, uh, if Dan Quinn properly coaches the game in Super Bowl Fifty One, chances are Patriots don't come back. Right. Um. Even too, it's like the whole what if. Uh, another big what if going back to this game. What if the uh, Green Bay defense actually stopped Scotty Miller and didn't let him burn Kevin King and get that touchdown right before the second half, the second quarter was done and ha- it was halftime. Like, well, that's huge. I mean, that's one of those things where I remember tweeting it out. Rodgers had the ball yeah. down four with an opportunity to drive down and take the lead right before the half and then score another touchdown. And theoretically now, they could have been up 10 before Brady got the ball back, which which I call it the Brady special, right? Yeah. Or the, I actually call it the Brady parlay because <laughs> that's what Brady does. He just He does it so consistently. If he gets the ball to start the second half, they always seem to score at the end of the first half and then score at the beginning of the second half. And now they've added, you know, 10 to 14 points and either pulled away or taken the lead on you. And Rodgers had the opportunity to go up by 10 points, theoretically, right, on them. And instead they go three and out and Tampa scores touchdown instead and they go up 11. And then that that's the game right there. That's, that's the game right there. You know, you win the game if you score points instead of giving up a touchdown. And, you know, that's... That's what happens. What, uh, you're right. A horrendous call. Yeah, and even to the whole Aaron Jones fumble and then them getting a touchdown right off of that. Right. Brady, like, this game for Brady was like the opposite of what happened in the previous week. Drew Brees did the thing you're not supposed to do against Tom Brady, which is, you know what, for everyone who's telling me, oh, he's such a great game manager in that game, no. Drew Brees gave Tom room to work with, and guess what happens when you give Tom room to work with? He's going to burn you every single time. This time around, he had three interceptions. Clearly, uh, to quote Giselle Bunchin, my husband can't throw and catch the ball. Um, and when he threw those picks, like Green Bay did nothing with them. Like There was the one where they were going three and out. They're getting sacked. Um, interesting stat line, actually. Since his fireworks accident, J- JPP has more sacks than he did prior to his accident. Really? So, yeah, it's something I heard Mike Florio say today that caught me less off guard. Fi- less fingers is better for pass rushing, I guess. Yeah, more games played, more sacks, and more interceptions. I know, obviously, he's been playing longer without it, but it's just the fact that he's got those stats yeah. with seven fingers is astonishing. Um, <laughs> but, man, just Green Bay's that team that always is like, you get so close and it's just snatched up from you. And it even goes back to the whole argument of why did you draft Jordan Love? And everyone was starting to make the comparison of, when Brady draft was um, when Jimmy got drafted in 2014, when everyone's saying, "Oh, it's delight the fire," but Jimmy was a second round pick. Right. It's not like Jimmy was a first round pick, and everyone was saying that and they they traded up to get. Him. Yeah, but even too though, like Brady wasn't playing his best in like 2013. No, no I mean they traded up to get Love. Is what, is what I'm talking. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Green Bay traded up to get Love. You use a first round pick on Love, and now it's just. I think they were trying to light a fire, and guess what? 
you have an MVP now who's got no one to throw the ball to. And right. personally, on a note, I think all the rumors of him leaving are just, you know what, set in the heat of the moment. We've all said dumb stuff in the heat of the moment when you're angry and you're a little upset. But I think when the storm calms down, they're not going to trade him. Also, too, because Mark Murphy, I think, knows better than that, not just to get rid of a generational talent for Jordan Love. But it's going to be a very interesting offseason. The only analyst I've said that he's gone is Michael Wilbon, who is from Chicago. And, like, yeah, if Josh Allen was having doubts in Buffalo, which we'll get into that in a little bit, I would be like, hell yeah, of course, trade. he's gone. You trade him, get him out of the division. Why? Because yeah. he's competition. <laughs> but right. I, I just don't yeah. see Rodgers leaving Green Bay. I think they should do the logical thing, go get like a Will Fuller or an Emmanuel Sanders, a wide receiver two for him, and re-sign Corey Lindsley for the love of God. Because we know right now, we have a very talented center at free uh, who's going to be a free agent who I pray they re-sign. And to let Corey Lindsley go would be a huge loss for the Green Bay Packers. Absolutely. And that's and look, this is the thing, right? And, and you mentioned love, but it's not just love. It's the fact that they had three picks inside the top 100. Yeah. They drafted Jordan Love. They drafted A.J. Dillon. So a backup quarterback, a backup running back, and a tight end who really is kind of like a fullback. Yeah. That's, that's what you drafted in the top 100. What the hell are you doing? You were in the NFC Championship game. You had an opportunity. Now, listen, they have Adams. Great player. Great player. MVS is fine. He's decent. Alan Lazard struggled a little bit with, with man press coverage, right? Yeah. You had a guy. And this is – so Mike Renner is a is a uh, guy for PFF, a uh, draft guy for PFF. And, and I was listening to his, his podcast, and he was talking about, talking about it. And he said, look, you never want to rely on rookies to make it impact their rookie year. However – you want to draft in positions where they have a chance to make an impact their rookie year. Because if you draft a guy that has an opportunity to make an impact, then maybe that guy can help you out down the road, right? And I guess you can make the argument that A.J. Dillon was fine, but, like, you have Aaron Jones in front of him. Like, A.J. Dillon was your third-string running back. Like, it just it just doesn't, you know, that doesn't help you. And A.J. Dillon was fine. He had, he had a few carries here and there, but, like, He's not making a big difference. If you had drafted a wide receiver in the first round, that guy could have been making a difference for you in the NFC Championship game. And maybe he wouldn't, but maybe he would be. And and so that's the thing is where it's like when you draft a guy like Jordan Love in the first round, like what the hell are you doing? You know, you're not helping out your guy. And then in the second round, you get another shot at it, and you draft third string running back. In the third round, you get another shot at it, and you draft a tight end who's really a fullback. And it's like what the hell are you doing? You know, and that's that's where it can be tough. And again – like you said, NFC Championship game last year, they're right back where they were, 13-3, and NFC Championship game, and they can't close it out. And I think some of it has to do with Rodgers. You know, like I said, man, that third down play, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. I know he's trying to score a touchdown. I know he's looking for Adams. All his receivers are double covered, right? It's like just you got the whole side of the field. Just run. And, you know, and Rodgers is a guy who, who does take off occasionally. You have to be able to do that, and he doesn't seem to be able to turn it on in those big moments, uh, in those biggest games, right? Hail Mary's one thing, but like some of those biggest moments in the biggest games, he just doesn't come up, and uh, you know, and 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 Brady and other guys do, and that's that's what separates, you know? Yeah, exactly, and like even too, I tweeted out Sunday saying like, yeah, the goat argument's done. Like for anyone thinking that like. Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees belong in that category. Are they top 10? Yeah, sure. But 1-4 in conference championship games and not 
that's the one thing even too people like forget. Russell Wilson has not been back to a conference championship since 2014. Aaron Rodgers has not been back to a Super Bowl. I was still in high school the last time Aaron Rodgers played in a Super Bowl. It's that long ago. Right. I am now 27 right. years old. I was 17. Um, and also the other thing too with uh, Green Bay as well that keeps killing them is their defense. Like the one year Rodgers actually went and won a Super Bowl, he had an unbelievable defense with guys like B.J. Raji, Clay Matthews, etc. Right. I think A.J. Hawk was on that team, mm-hmm. like, etc., etc. And now I believe all three, well, Matthews is a free agent, but A.J. Hawk's retired and doing uh, stuff with Pat McAfee, and I'm pretty sure B.J. Raji is retired. Like yeah, years well, ago, you would think, right? Ten yeah. years ago, but but I mean, the thing is, right, is that you don't even have to have a great defense; they just have to step up in the biggest moments. Yep. And you have a guy like Kevin King who just—I mean—and that's the other thing too. Maybe you, maybe you don't even have guys, you know, on your offense. Maybe there are guys on your defense. What if they, what if they have drafted a corner? Yeah, maybe he takes the place of Kevin. I mean, Kevin King was embarrassing. Maybe he embarrassed himself out there uh, on Sunday, and that was—that's part of the reason. I mean, look. That last play, you mentioned you mentioned the play of Scotty Miller at the end of the half. Like, what the hell were they doing? What what, what offense? What defense was that? They have a, a safety in the middle of the field. Why? What? Give them that catch in the middle of the field. Who cares? Because there's 15 seconds left. You got no time. Or there's eight seconds left, and they have no timeouts. You want to throw it in the middle of the field? Fine, we'll tackle you. But you should be covering the sideline and deep. And they didn't cover the sideline or deep. <laughs> it was like, what the hell are you doing? It, it was it was mind blowing. And King. For his part, never even ran with Scotty Miller. It looked like he was expecting help over the top, which, like, you're in man press, dude. You have no help over the top. It was just, it was bizarre. It was really a bizarre, bizarre sequence. But even with that, though, like, with everyone going, like, oh, Scotty Miller out of nowhere, I said this back in March when Brady went to Tampa. I'm like, Scotty Miller's going to have a more prominent role in this offense because guess who Brady loves to throw to and who he's thrown to his entire career? Guys like Scotty Miller, Julian Edelman, right. Danny Amendola, Wes Walker, Chris Hogan. Um, well, Miller has that speed too. Like, he, yeah, he he has that that extra gear that those other guys don't have, where he can just flat out run by you. And you know, the fact that they didn't know that is just like, come on, like that's you have to know that that's coming. And even two plays like the one Godwin catch, which was unbelievable. I, like in that moment, there was right. a two moments with Brady where I was like. Oh, that's a dime to Mike Evans, and Brady got picked off. And then there, I thought for sure that one Godwin catch, I was like, oh, he's, Brady just threw a pick, but then Godwin makes that unbelievable yep. catch. Fly. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes yeah. that's what happens. you got good players, and they make good plays, and it's just, you know. Yeah. But again, like you said, it comes down to the fact that, the you know, Brady throws a pick, they go down and score to cut it to five. Brady throws another pick, 3-0. and Brady throws another pick, 3-0. and They got two turnovers down five points and got zero points off of it and then brady gets the ball back after that third after that you know second straight three and out and kicks the field goal to go up to eight and then you get the ball back and that's you know and that's the sequence at the end of the game and so it's just like that was it you had the opportunity there to win the game and you blew it and so you know it just that's what happens and you know that's what that's what good teams do is they find a way to win at the end of the game and guess what tampa bay was in field goal range when the game ended so that's my point, is that the defense doesn't get a stop, doesn't matter. Even if they had scored a touchdown and tied it up, they still would have lost. So what difference does it make? You know, so that's that's kind of the thing. And listen, you know, talk about the AFC game. Listen, people want to criticize that field goal. Yeah. What the hell were the Bills doing? You're playing the freaking Chiefs, man. Don't do not set off a field goals against the Chiefs. That's the one thing that you cannot do against a team like that. You're in the red zone. Score a touchdown. You have to. 
You have to. Even the morale comments that they were saying, like the whole, oh, we did it for team morale. Sean, you're in the AFC championship game. I understand it's the first time there. You do not play scared in those situations, and especially against Kansas City. Like, when it was 9 nothing and there was that muff, I'm like, I don't, this isn't over. And then, snap your fingers, it's 21-9. Like, that's just how good they were. And even, too, I said this, um, I was on another podcast yesterday, and I said that the fact that they went to Hardman, and he didn't go into, like, the doghouse, the fact that they, like, were comforting him and everything like that, obviously we saw it after the game. But the fact that they did that just shows the true character of that team where it's like, look, hey, you screwed up. We understand. Just move on. Get past it. What do they do? Jet sweep 51 yards to him. And then I believe he had another touchdown. He did have a touchdown, yeah, on a quick screen pass. I mean, that's that's what the Chiefs do. That's yep. what the Chiefs do. They're that good. I mean, look at last year where they were down, what, 28 nothing to the to the Texans. Was it 21 or 20? It was 24. 24 nothing, And they came back and smoked him. And that's, you know, and, and, and listen, flat out, the moment was too big for Josh Allen. Yeah. Flat, like, 100%. Like, it just was. And and that's not on him. I don't think that he had a phenomenal year, right? And I don't think that anyone should look at that and say, oh, he stinks now. He doesn't. He just, he's never been in that situation before. He's in a hostile environment. Now, granted, not as many fans, but still, hostile environment, on the road, playing against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the new Patriots. Yep. Right? The Chiefs are the new Patriots. You crap your pants every time you play them because you know how good they are and you know if you make a mistake and you're not perfect, you lose. You know that that's what happens. And so you go in, and instead of playing your game, you try to be perfect. And so, and when you try to be perfect, you lose because you can't play that way. Because no one's perfect, and you're never going to play a perfect game. You just go in and do your thing. And you try to execute from play to play. You don't worry about you know being a hero and making all these extra plays. And that's exactly what he was doing. And so you know, from that standpoint, it makes it that more difficult to play the Chiefs because you're scared when you go in. Just like people were scared for 20 years playing the Patriots. They were scared. That's why Baltimore always gave the Patriots a game because they were never afraid. They came in, they played their game, and they gave the Patriots a game every time they played. You know, and, and that's the one thing that Tampa has going for them is that Brady is the guy in charge. I know Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is the guy in charge. Brady is the guy in charge, right? Bruce Arians has admitted that much that, that Brady's basically the one doing the coaching down there. And he's going to tell him, listen, just play a game. Don't worry about it. Just go out. Play your game. Don't worry about the Chiefs. doesn't matter. Like, do your thing. Do your job. You'll be fine. And I think that that gives them an advantage over really any other team that they would see, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl. So, we'll see. And it should be – it's going to be a fun matchup. It's yeah. It's going to be a fun matchup. No, no, for sure. It's going to be a great matchup. It's a Super Bowl. You look forward to it, and then you remind yourself, crap, we have to wait till September for football. But you know what? The one thing I have to say about the NFL quickly, though, is – just an overall round of applause to them for the fact that they were able to pull off a season, no real delays, no like shortened season, if you will, like we've seen obviously the NHL, NBA going on right now. We don't even know what baseball is going to be able to do in a couple months because spring training is supposed to start in, I think, like two to three weeks. Um, the fact that the NFL was able to pull off a season like this just hats off to them. Like I had people message me and ask me, like, oh, do you think a season's going to happen? Do you think it's going to be able to go? Like I was in fantasy leagues this year where it was free entry because no one there, like, in case the season right. doesn't end, I'm like, they're playing. The money's just too big. They're, it is. I mean, that's yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. You're 100% right. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. That's no, all that's, good. You know, I agree 100%. Like, that's, and now I will say, it were times and they just kind of plowed through and just said, screw it, you know, and, and ran over the bodies on the street and just kept going, you know, and, and, you know, but that's, 
because they're a big corporation and because they're a huge industry, and that's what they did. Now, you look at the NBA, and they got a million postponements. Yeah. They're postponing games left and right. But they're also playing every night or every other night. It's very different. The the NFL would have had to do the same thing, but they luck out in the fact that they are week to week so that when a guy tests positive on Tuesday, they can quarantine, they send him out, any other close contacts, they can still play the game on Sunday. In a basketball game, you can't really do that, right? You get close contact, you get five or six. So if you get five close contacts in a football game, you get 53 guys, you're good. Yeah. You get five close contacts in a basketball game. Well, your team, you don't, you don't have enough guys to field the team, you know? So it's it's very different in basketball. There's been a ton of postponements and stuff, but it is what it is. They're, they're doing what they can, and, and you got to go from there. And you're right. They did continue going through, and like I said, they – you know, they kind of plowed through a little bit in times where they just, you know, maybe they shouldn't have kept going, but they did. But they're here. They're here now, and they got there, and no one on either side has tested positive thus far. And hopefully they continue not to um, through the Super Bowl, and that would be great. And, it, you know, and, and then you get a game down there, and you get 7,500, um, you know. Uh, medical workers. Medical workers down there, which is great. And that so that's cool. Um, and they're doing the best that they can. Look, I mean, they did the, they did it. They did it. Like you said, I mean, now then you got the senior bowl going on. There's going to be no combine. Like, you know, who the heck? Everything's going to be a little different still. Yeah. I think they, they're probably going to still do a Skype draft, I would think. Now, I don't know, but I would think that you'd probably want to still do a Skype draft. They were pretty successful with it last year. Uh, everyone seemed pretty happy with it. So I would think they probably do the same thing again this year. I think but, We'll see. I think I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think the draft overall got like 55 million views or something. Like, I remember, like I love watching the draft, but like on yeah. Fridays and Saturday, I'll usually like occasionally tune in or like kind of try to watch on the Pats pick. I was dialed in for like all seven rounds pretty much because like it was the yeah. most sports I had seen in like a six week period. I was just so excited yeah. for it because that's at the time we had nothing. Um, I heard Peter King say this last week, and I think he was asked or someone was asked about. Hey, did he? Um, are they moving the draft? Like, there's no way that's getting moved. Um, I do think though, there's gonna be certain stuff though where, like we say, no combine obviously sucks because we all know Ryan was Ryan was supposed to go, which was very right. unfortunate, Thanks. very unfortunate yeah. for him. But next year, yeah, next year, 2022, uh, it's gonna be a very interesting off season in that sense. I think the free agency thing, you're gonna see all the dominoes fall at once because this year was a weird. I think this year there's gonna be more travel involved or more just like general Zoom stuff, right? But the only thing about the combine not happening that's a big wrinkle and everything is the fact that a lot of free agency meetings happen at the combine where agents will go there and kind of get a feel for everything to say like, hey, where's my guy going to end up or who's going to be where? Like what teams are really interested in your player? But I have a feeling they'll either do a Skype draft or they'll do like a have everyone quarantined. Like I think it's supposed to be in Cleveland, but I can see them moving it to like New York City or something. Yeah. Move it to like New York or like even hell, even do Florida because we all know everything's open down there. Um, but have everyone like quarantined off in a hotel, like broadcast crews, draft, and, like the certain draftees that get invited, yeah. and then have it just like behind closed doors, if you will, in like a hotel, uh, like a hotel boardroom or banquet hall, just what so. You could do. That's why they used to do it back in the day. Everyone would just get in a big. You know, yeah. big you know conference room and just and just do it you know in like a, in like the ballroom of like the Ritz Carlton or whatever the hell it was you know what I mean but that's I just think I think that the way they did it last year was successful yeah and so why go away from that you know what I mean but you're right about the you know about the scouts meeting and then you know you look at it too there are going to be pro days now this year there will be pro days as opposed to last year when there weren't really any pro yeah. days but there's going to be some 
but then it's limited participation. So you can only send X amount of guys down there to see these certain pro days to see these guys work out. And so now, and then it's like, how do you get a one-on-one meeting with them? Do you get a one-on-one meeting with them? You have to do a Skype. And so you can't get the guy in the room and it's this whole thing. So it's like, it's going to be more challenging to, to see these guys and to view these guys. And the other part of it too, is that something that is an extra hurdle they didn't have last year is that there were so few guys that were on the road, you know, and when they go on the road, you go to a, you know, let's say you go to USC and you, you hang out at the, at the campus of USC on a Tuesday and you go and you're talking to, you know, the people in the cafeteria, you're talking to the professors, you're talking to all these random people that are having interactions with these students so you can get a feel of who they are when they're not on the football team, right? How is this guy, how does this guy interact with the outside world? And then you get to chat with the coaches You get to, and you get to see them in practice. That didn't happen this year. So that's a huge chunk of what the scouting process usually is that is just gone. And so it's going to be a lot harder to assess some of these guys without some of that background information. So, and, you know, honestly, it kind of brings the scouts back down to our level where not, not my level, but like the guys who, who are, you know, reviewing, you know, the guys at PFF and guys like that, that are reviewing film and, and tape and everything else. And yeah, they're calling and doing interviews and stuff, but they don't have like face to face personal meetings with everyone and stuff. And so it kind of brings scouts back down to their level where they're kind of like, yeah, I mean, we don't have any of that back inside inside scope uh, scoop thing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, like I saw, for example, today, uh, apparently saw a reason why Micah Parsons from Penn State has fallen his character stuff. Like, there's stuff like that you're not going to be able to find out. Him at 15? Oh, my Lord. Oh, God. Please <laughs> give me that at 15. Excuse me. Um... And that's the quick thing I just wanted to mention with the 15th pick, because someone asked me the other day, like, Griff, what do you think the Patriots will pick at 15th? And I gave a bunch of positions, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a rebuilding team. I'm just saying no. Like, I'm happy, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a receiver, whether it's defensive line, whether it's linebackers. Like, they just need to stir up something. And Parsons along, or even to, if they can get him later on, but I believe his name, um, Barron, I think, the linebacker from Alabama as well, because I think he'll be... Later on, so there's just a plethora. There's a plethora of positions where New England can go. Like I feel like they can't do wrong, but part of me is also mentally preparing to trade down. But I feel like that Belichick will only do that if he doesn't have his guy at 15. And that's that's the idea. And that you know, and people criticize him all the time for you know for trading back and everything else. But the fact is, is that they identify identify guys they want. In 2012, they identified two guys they wanted. And they went up and got him, and Chandler Jones and Dr. Hightower. Like, and so if they identify guys that they really want, and they're like, that guy's dropping more than I expected, boom, let's go get him. You know? And so, and now will that happen this year? I don't know, right? Does a guy like, you know, I don't know, right? One of the quarterbacks, does one of the quarterbacks really entice them? Do they love that guy? And he drops to 10 in Dallas when the Patriots are like, screw it, let's go get him. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but like, I wonder, like, that's one of those things where you're like, you don't know what they're going to do. And so maybe that's what happens. Or maybe, you know, they get to 15 and all four quarterbacks are gone and Kyle Pitts is gone and a few of the wide receivers are gone and they don't love anyone at 15. And they say, hey, there's some good players here. We could get a good player or we could trade back. They lost their third round pick because that stupid friggin' filming thing at Cincinnati. Yeah. So you trade back. 
say with you know whoever in the in the mid 20s or even in the early 30s and you get you know either a late first rounder and a late second or third rounder or you get an early early second rounder and early third rounder for that 15th pick and you say hey at you know 35 we can get a guy that is similar to 15 and we can because one thing is for sure that they like to do they don't want a big gap Certainly not at the beginning of the draft, right? They and they did the same thing last year. They didn't have that second round pick last year because they traded for Sanu. Everyone knew they had to fill in that gap between twenty three and eighty seven. Now they got a gap between forty six and it looks like it's probably going to be ninety six. And so you, you have that gap there. They're going to have to fill it. Whether that means trading up, they're going to have three fourth round picks. It looks like with the you know with the two comp picks um, that they're going to get. So maybe they trade up. With their fourth round picks, I don't know. Maybe they trade back. I'm not sure, but they're gonna fill in that gap somehow. Um, and so, you know, obviously the question is then, how do they do it? You know, and it could certainly be a trade back in the front. It just depends on, like you said, if the guy is there. And one guy we talked about off air that you know was getting a lot of buzz, and people were talking about him already, and he's getting mocked there at 15 is Mac Jones. And look, you and I are on the same page on this. I like Mac Jones. He's a good little player. He's not the 15th overall pick. He's just not. Certainly not for us, he's not. And listen, let me tell you something. I think the best case scenario, honestly, might be, okay, he drops to 15, someone like Indy falls in love with him and says, we'll give you 21 and we'll give you our first-round pick next year. Yeah. (laughs) Sign me up for that. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you want Mac Jones? Sure, see you later. Like, we'll take, you know, whatever. And maybe they don't say first-round pick next year. I think they have... They have two second-round picks, I think. Or they have a second and early third. I'm not sure exactly, but it's they have two decently decently high picks there um, in the second and third round. To me, i do that in a heartbeat. See you later. Yep, you take Mac Jones. We'll move back a few spots and you know and, and pick up. And then again, now you're picking up draft picks between that 46 and, and 96. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, of course. But to me, I look at that and say, I'm not drafting Mac Jones at 15. I get it. I get people flip out about the quarterbacks, and I think there are four. I think there are four legitimate franchise-altering quarterbacks, and I think if one of those guys drops, and the Patriots like him, that they should go after him. But again, I don't know. You know, it's hard. Trey Lance, you take it. I mean, that's a lottery ticket. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's a lottery ticket. Trey Lance has looks like Josh Allen. I mean, like a rocket arm, runs like crazy, but he didn't really play this year. And he played in North Dakota State. Yeah. Like, you don't know. You just don't know. But he has a crazy arm. He's really accurate at times, also wild at times. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to sit as a backup for a year or two. But you could be getting Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or someone like that. So it might be worth taking a chance on. Him. You know what I mean? Like, But you got to weigh your options. Bill doesn't strike me the type of guy that, would, that wants that. But I don't know. You know, like, that's... Who the heck knows what's going to happen? Now, the only way I think I would accept Trey Lance is if we did get a quarterback in free agency. Um, but I'm just looking at their drafts right now for the Colts. Um, it's They have 21, 54, and 84 so far. Everything That's just in the first three rounds. So yeah, like say if we if like say for example the Colts fall in love with them, we get twenty one and then we manage to get fifty four or eighty four. It just helps New England in the long run. Like even too, I remember last year um, everyone was kind of on us because Xavier McKinney went uh, uh, because Xavier McKinney went right before uh, Kyle Duggar got selected, and obviously a lot of people looked at that as bad. But what turned out to be 
Kyle Duggar turned out to be a pretty good asset for the team this year. A uh, very good player at safety. And uh, McKinney obviously got hurt his rookie year. We'll see how he rebounds in his uh, second season. But that's just a comparison I want to make. Um, the other thing, too, I actually saw on a random TikTok account was a 2017 draft trade that impacted both franchises greatly. That was the Bills and the Chiefs swapping picks. Bills went up, got Mahomes, and the, no, the Bills, the Chiefs got Mahomes, excuse me. I would not want to pitch a world with Matt Patrick's in Buffalo. And the Bills got Jordavius White. So sometimes you can have a trade where, hey, it works out for both sides. Like you could pretty much argue, I think, that the Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson trade. Now, obviously, the Vikings didn't make the playoffs, but I think Jefferson's a very good replacement for Diggs. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you you look at it, and it's a good point. Like you yeah. look at it and just say, you know, there is a there is a value in trading up, obviously, if you have that guy. Yeah. And look, I mean, like you said, if the Bills had stayed where they were, and they had ended up with Patrick Mahomes, like, they'd be doing okay. They'd be yeah. all right with that, you know? But you have Josh Allen, who looks like a real player, and Tredavious White's one of the best corners in the league. So, yeah, so it's, it's you know, it ends up working out for both sides. Maybe there's a winner and a loser, maybe. But I think the Diggs-Jefferson is, is a great example where you give up that first-round pick, and you're Minnesota, and you draft a guy like Jefferson, who, by the way, I think the Patriots are going to take at 23 had he been there. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But, um, you know, you take a guy like that at 22 and you re- you take out Diggs who got a huge contract and you replace him with a rookie on a rookie year on a rookie deal who puts up insane numbers. I mean, the best rookie season since Randy Moss. Yeah. That's pretty good. You get named, yeah. you get mentioned with Randy <laughs> it's Moss. All right. okay, it's all right. You know? So, but yeah, it's, you know, and so we'll see, we'll see, but you're right. When you said about, about free agency, the Patriots have to address the quarterback position yeah. before the draft. They don't have a choice because the problem is if you have the number two pick in the draft, you can sit around and wait, right? You can address the quarterback position in the draft if you want. If you have 15, what if those top four guys get taken in the top five? Now what? You know, and you haven't addressed the quarterback position yet. You're like, oh, crap. Well, now you have to take Mac Jones at 15 if he even lasts at that point. And then it's like, you know, do you, is that the best pick you can make there? You know, and so that's. That's the issue for me is that you have to address it in free agency or via trade, whichever one you want. I wrote an article this week about Stafford, and, you know, I'm not giving up 15 overall for Matthew Stafford. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I know he's a good player. I like Matthew Stafford. He's got zero playoff wins, and I know it's not all him. I know he played for the Lions his whole career. I get that. Still, he's got zero playoff wins. He's going to be 33 at the start of the season. I'm not giving up 15 overall for Matthew Stafford. I'm not doing it. I'm just simply not doing it. You want to tell me I'll give up 46 for him or, you know, 96 for him? Sure. Fine. I get no problem with that. I'm sure as hell not giving up 15 overall for him because that trade also has to get made now. What if you make that trade and you get the 15 and Trey Lance is sitting there? And then you're like, oh, crap. We just traded Matthew Stafford, and we could have had Trey Lance instead. Now, maybe Trey Lance is a bust. I don't know. Yeah. But, again, you know, that that's the type of situation where I'm looking at it saying, I'm holding out for something better than Matthew Stafford. Like Cam Newton re-signing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding. We all know how I feel about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all know a lot of people feel about that. Um, look, for like that's just one thing. Like, he had his time here. Unfortunately, it didn't go that well. Um the other thing I want to address too quickly is I've been told that, like, all oh, the Patriots are on a downward trajectory, and I'm just like, for the senses of con- contending for a Super Bowl at the time moment, yes, right. but this team next year, I think, 
their worst case scenario still is seven and nine. I don't think there's anywhere else lower they can go, especially with guy, getting guys back like Chung and Hightower. Um, just the big questions, obviously, are like I said earlier. David Andrews is a guy I want to be a Patriot. I've heard you and Spags say Patriot lifer has to be. Yep. Yeah. Like if we lose Tooney, like it's it would suck, but it's not like total end of the world. Like right. it's one of those like things, like kind of like when we lost Nate. Like, I'm not. Well, and that's, yeah, and listen, I think you're spot on. Seven and nine. I think you're right about that. Is kind of the floor. The only yeah. thing is, you got a billion guys up this year. Yeah. The question is, who comes back? What happens at the quarterback position? Are you able to upgrade the weapons on offense? And then the other question becomes, does Hightower come back? Does Chung come back? And is Stephon Gilmore on the team next year, too? Yeah. That's a big question mark, too, because remember, he's got $7 million next year. He's not playing for that. No. So is he going to take a two-year extension? I'd do a two-year extension with Stephon Gilmore, sure. I'm not doing a four- or five-year extension. No. And he might want to hold out for that. And you know what? I don't blame him at all. Yeah. But if he does, I'm not giving him that money. And so now you got to move on from Gilmore, which is fine. You're going to keep J.C. Jackson. The Tooney one is interesting because the Patriots franchise Joe Tooney for one reason and one reason only. Because yeah. they looked at him and said, he's a dominant guard. We have to keep him. We'll figure it out. Right? We'll franchise him, and we'll figure it out next year when we got a ton of cap space. Yeah. And then they draft Michael Onwenu, who looks like an absolute monster. And then you look at it and say, well, this kid's getting paid like $0, and he's basically playing an all-pro level right now. And so now we can let Tooney walk because we have this kid, right? And and again, not that your offensive line would be better with him, but is it worth the $15 million a year you're going to have to pay him? Like, probably not. And so that's the thing is you have to weigh your options there. He's better than Michael Onwenu. Clearly, like that's obvious because he's one of the best guards in the league. But on Wayne, who played fantastic. And so yeah. you look at it and say, okay, well, we have a replacement for him that we didn't expect to have. And so now we can move on from Tooney, you know, instead of instead of paying him whatever the hell it's going to be, whatever it's going to take to get him, you know, whether it's four for 60 or whatever the case may be, it's going to be a big contract. And I think that that's something the Patriots won't be paying. I think Andrews comes back. Adam Butler to me is a number is another one. Like yeah, Andrews, Adam Butler, J.C. Jackson. Those are my three right there. There's a bunch of guys, but those are my three right there. Lawrence, guys, close. But like those three are my absolute 100 percent have to be on the team. Akeem Hicks is a great example. Patriots let Akeem Hicks walk for not a ton of money. Yeah, you know he I think it was two years five million dollars or maybe two years ten million dollars so five million dollars a year, decent salary but not nothing crazy. By the end of the year, he'd already gotten a four-year extension for a ton of money because he's he was a monster in in uh, in Chicago, and that's a guy the Patriots let go that they probably shouldn't have. And Adam Butler is that same type of guy, man. He's going to be dominant for the next few years, and they have to lock him up. So we'll see what he's going to cost to to keep him here, but he's a really good player, and I feel like they have to keep him even again over over Lawrence Guy, who I love Lawrence Guy, but. To me, Butler's a priority over Guy. No, no, no. I get that for sure. Like, Guy has his moments, but Butler's just that guy that's a disruptive uh, disruptive defensive tackle, and that's what you need to win. It's not like to uh, letting, uh, what was the guy's name, Danny Shelton or Malcolm Brown walk. Like, obviously, like, those guys, they, like, obviously Malcolm Brown was a first-round pick, I believe, in 2015, but still, losing him wasn't the total end of the world. That's why I say with Tooney, where it's like, with the money... Look, you you can use it on him, and then use a, I think it's almost a quarter of our cap room for the year per year on him, 
Or you know what? You invest your money elsewhere and you draft smart and you try to win with Owenu under a rookie contract. Um, Marcus Cannon, too, is going to be coming back, hopefully, because he was another opt-out. So So we'll see. You know, now is Haran Haran going to slide into that right tackle spot? You know, we don't know. Right, and so that those are question marks that we're not sure about. Of course, um, he looked okay. He, yeah. he didn't look like amazing, but he looked okay. And maybe with an off season, he can improve and, and be better and be ready to be the starting right tackle. You know, we don't know. Um, maybe someone comes available, like a Trent Brown type of situation, where you know guys maybe on the last year of his deal, not happy where he is, they trade you know a late pick for him and, and pick up a guy like that. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks as to what they're going to do. But I think, I think on Wainu is really best suited as a guard yeah and so it makes sense to push him into guard and then figure out the tackle situation you let Tooney walk and, and you see what happens kind of sucks that we don't have star i'm just blanking on who the offensive line coach is now but it kind of sucks that starnecki retired again but then and, again uh, starnecki i'm pretty i think he's in a, he's got to be in his 70s so well scars scars up there and, and he's yeah. with the patriots forever yeah you know and he's still around every now and again still has fingerprints on it a few different guys yeah. Mick lombardi i think was the main guy uh, last year did a great job I mean they did a great job on the offensive line um, you know and so I was happy with with you know what they did there um, you know those are internal guys that had kind of helped out on the offensive line anyways so they kind of knew some of the tricks of the trade of course you know no one's scars maybe the best offensive line coach ever yeah and so you know it's it, it's tough to replace him but I think they did a pretty good job last year no, no I think they did too um one other note that I like, want to see with free agents is I love how people think that, oh, like even today there was a report that came, I think, from uh, it was either Tom Curran or Ben Violin on uh, one of the radio shows in Boston. I just yeah. I saw the article and I said to retweet it with saying that the Patriots were expected to be more aggressive than usual. And I just had to post the gift. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Curran. And um, he I said to post the gift with a chair being like, okay, I'm interested. Like, I love to see it the fact that, look, we're being aggressive. But at the same time, too, of New England. They don't have to go out there and I feel like get that, you know, that great receiver who's going to be commanding a lot of money. Although I would love to see Chris Godwin in a New England Patriots uniform. Um, I just, I, that's another thing with Tampa too is I think that Brady is going to prioritize keeping Brown over Godwin just because uh, for money reasons. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I I just think that. I think it's with Tampa next year, it's going to be Evans, Brown, and Miller are going to be their three receivers. Plus two, for anyone saying Tom doesn't like throwing to rookies, well, Guess what? A rookie made a couple good uh, catches. I know. You know what? And Ty, uh, hey, oh, he's taking a few picks after Justin Rowwasser too. But Ty, listen, Tyler Johnson's fine. Yeah, he's slow. He's slow. He is. He's slow. He's their fifth receiver. Like, there's a reason why he's their fifth. Now, I mean, they have a good receiving core, but like, he's their fifth receiver. So he comes in, runs a few routes. Other guys are double teamed, and he gets one on one. And look, he's a, he's a good contested catch player. Yeah, but like, you know, he's not as good as Jacoby Myers, I don't think. And so it's like, you know. And so that's where it's like, okay, like, yeah, fine. He he did okay, but he's not a great player. Like, he just happens to be in a really good roster, and he gets one-on-one matchup against a crap player and, and makes it, and makes a few good plays. And it's like, you know, he disappears because you don't need him the whole game, and then he makes one or two big catches. Whereas, you know, if Jacoby Myers is in that situation, he'd look great too. You know, it's just like that, that's the tough situation for me where it's like if you put Tyler Johnson on this team, you know, that doesn't change anything this year. You no. know, it's not like he's making a big difference this year. But it does still does suck to be like, oh, he's taking a few picks after Justin Rorwash. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. No, exactly. That's the thing. It's like in, in the moments in those drafts too, like those fifth, sixth round guys, I don't think back in April you or I were going, even though actually you and I didn't know each other at the time, but I don't think we were going, oh, Michael Owenu, he's going to be like first team. I think he was like first right. team all rookie and stuff like that. 
you, 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 you didn't know that was going to happen. Like, obviously, with guys like Tristan Wirfs, uh, Jedrick Wills, you knew those guys were going to be good. Those are first-round yeah. offensive linemen. It's line. funny. We had – so Spags and I had yeah. uh, Thor Nyquist on after the draft. And yeah. he was saying he loved the Asiasi pick and he loved the Onwenu pick. He said, you know, this kid, he goes, this, the, the issue that he had in college was his athleticism. Big dude, if he got on you, you weren't going anywhere. But the biggest issue with him was his athleticism, and he really was way more athletic than anyone expected this year. I mean, that was that was the big thing with him is he's big and slow, and his feet were great this year, I thought. And, you know, especially to be able to play tackle uh, was impressive. You know, and so that was a guy that they liked, you know, and, and scouts liked, but they were like, you know, he's just he's a big dude, but, like, he just can't move very well. And... You know, so people were high on on him overall. I didn't know who the hell he was, right? Normal people didn't know who the hell he was, but it was like they liked him. But then they were like, "Yeah, but he's got he's got all these limitations." And it turned out that he didn't, you know, which is just like kind of surprised everyone. So that was, but you're right. That's one of those things where it's like they draft these guys, and you're like not expecting them to be good, and all of a sudden you get contributions from them, and you're like, "All right, here we go." You it, know? Exactly. It's like, hey, look, yeah, you know what? Six round pick out of Michigan uh, in Foxborough. You know what? Those those happen to work out well from time to time. You know, just something about them. I wish I, I, I went. It would have been one ninety nine. That'd been so good. Oh, that would have been. That would just been even to it's twenty years after the fact that Tom Tom went. Oh, it's just so the whole irony about it. Um, but no, even to like going back to the Asiasi thing, it just sucks when I see because I, I immediately think of Week Seventeen, where all year long we're waiting for these guys to do something. Him and Keen, obviously Keen didn't get that much done, but just for the Asiasi touchdown, I'm pretty sure I tweeted in all caps, just Asiasi, like uh, finally. Okay. But it kind of shows that the potential that these guys have for twenty one. That's what I feel like Belichick was more or less doing in that final game. Like he kind of just took, right. the, like he took the leash off all the, he took the leashes off all the players. I know that sounds really weird, but it's kind of like when you let you you as a new dog owner know when you let your dog off at a dog pocket for the first time, and it's like, oh, how's he going to react? And you see, he gets along with everyone. I felt like that was the Patriots in their last game against the Jets, which seems like an eternity ago, even though it was four weeks ago. I wish they had done that. I wish they had done that after like week six. Oh, same. Just because at a certain point, you know, you got to look at this team and say they're not realistically going to make the playoffs, right? And so, screw it. Let's just open up the offense and start slinging it, you know? And if Cam can't do that, then whatever. But, like, you know, to me, it was almost like, who cares if we win? It doesn't matter if we win. Like, let's see what these guys have. Throw the freaking ball and see what happens, you know? Instead of playing these this conservative, you know, RPO stuff, it's like, what are we doing? That's not helping anyone, you know? And that's, and that's the big thing to me where I was just kind of like, yeah, that was the argument that Rich Keefe was making. I was on with Dalen. Well, I wasn't on with them. I was a caller into the Dalen Keefe show. Um, and you know, Keefe was talking about how like they didn't even you know they didn't even develop a quarter. They didn't develop anyone this year. That, no. You know, he said it's not a rebuilding year because they didn't do anything. And I'm like, you know, you can say that you know the biggest mistake they made was bringing in Cam Newton because if you don't bring in Cam, maybe you finish with the same record. Maybe you finish with the worst record. But then you find out what Stidham has, and you know. Like, we all probably kind of know at this point, me and Spags, we're, we're wrong on that one, it seems like. Yeah. Although, I mean, I, I suppose you never know, but looks like we we're probably wrong on that one. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like, just see what you have. You know, you bring in Cam, and it's like you run an offense that isn't really conducive to, you're not going to be running that offense in the future, put it, to, put it to that way, right? So you didn't learn anything about your team this year. You know, outside of the defensive players, I think you learned some stuff about them. But offensively-wise, you didn't really learn anything about any of your players. And so, you know, that's 
that's a challenge. Now you come into 21, it's like you still don't know, right? Nikhil Harry, zero targets. Like, got, didn't didn't get the ball. Yeah. So, like, how, you know, how good is he? Asiasi didn't get the ball. How good is he? We don't know. Do we have a quarterback? We don't know. Probably not, but we don't know. We didn't see anything from him. So it's like, you know, those questions are still there that were there at the beginning of the year, you know? And so it's like, from that standpoint of it, it's very frustrating because you're just like, we're still asking the same questions we were this time last year. Yeah, exactly. And like on that note, ideally, the most ideally situation for us, I think best case scenario, because Spags had a pin tweet from like right when the season ended of his best case scenario for an off season. And I could not agree with it more. Like, like, I mean, like when I say like, I just loved it. I sent it to a buddy of mine here who's also a Pats fan. And I said like, yeah, this is what I want. And he said, veteran QB day two or three guy and Jared Stidham. But the question I want to get to you is if they were to go out there and get a quarterback, either trade or free agency, who's your number one ideal guy? I think I know who you're going to say. I just want to hear it out of your mouth, <laughs> even though that sounds weird. Jimmy G. Uh, Jimmy G, my guy. And, and look, I, people have a lot of question marks with Jimmy G, and they don't like him and everything else. But, like, you're going to be able to get him for fairly cheap from San Francisco. Yeah. Or San Francisco is going to cut him one or the other. He's not playing in San Francisco under his $25 million cap hit this year when you can cut him for, like, $2 million. So he's definitely not playing in San Francisco next year. So the question is, you know, he'll be available. Do you want, you know, you just say to San Francisco, hey, no one wants him. Here's a fourth-round pick for him. Like, yeah. And you send them a fourth-round pick and, and you get Jimmy G. And I think that that's realistic for me. Um, you know, people are like, oh, he stinks and this and that. And maybe he does. I don't know. But, like, he looked pretty damn good in the system, you know. And you can say, oh, you know, he, he had issues with the Shanahan. Whatever. He looks really good here. Bill likes him a lot. Bill obviously likes him a lot. And so – you know, I think that that's, that's a thing for me. You give them a two-year kind of prove-it deal, you know, short money, even a one-year deal, like whatever. You know, bring him in, and then you kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah. The hard thing is that there's a drop-off after him. I don't want to trade for Stafford because you, you're going to have to give up too much, right? Supposedly half the league has already called Detroit about Stafford. Like, half the league? You're competing against half the league? Someone's going to give up a first round. You know, Carson Palmer moved for a first and a third. You're telling me you can give him a first and a third for Matthew flipping Stafford? Get the hell out of here. I'm yeah. not doing that. No, like, you I know? would love Matthew Stafford, but, yeah, I'm not. Right. That's the thing, you know? So Jared Goff may be available. Well, his contract is massive. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you going to do with that? Carson Wentz may be available. He's the fifth the fifth highest paid player in the NFL this year mm-hmm. is Carson Wentz on a brand new contract. You can't get out of that deal. So that's out the window. So it's like... You know, and then the drop off after a guy like Jimmy G is steep. You know, you, and maybe bringing a guy like Blaine Gabbert, but like, what the hell is that guy gonna do? You know, so the, it's like that's the hard thing for me is that there's not a lot of great options out there. Dak Prescott obviously is out there, but he's gonna cost a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, I think he's gonna stay in Dallas, to be honest with you. But if he doesn't, you know, you're looking at thirty-five, forty million dollars a year for this guy. What, we can't pay that. I mean, we can theoretically, but then you're handicapping the rest of the team. That's the problem, you know? So so for me, it's like, okay, Dak, fine. Maybe a guy like Marcus Mariota. I know a lot of people uh, – Phil Perry's really high on Marcus Mariota. He wants him here. Um, I know that. And Mariota, I think, would be fine, right? He'd be a similar situation to Jimmy G where you could give up, you know, limited assets to get him, right? He's going to be the backup in, in, in Vegas. He's certainly not going to be starting over no. the car. So, like – He's in the last year of his deal. You send them, hey, we'll send you a fourth-round pick or a fourth and a fifth-round pick for Marcus Mariota. I'd be okay with that. But I think, to me, it's either going to be – it should either be Mariota or Jimmy G. People don't like that. People aren't going to be happy about it. 
But at the end of the day, like, I'm not giving up huge assets for a 30, you know, a quarterback over 30 years old. I'm, I'm just simply not doing it. I want to rebuild this team and have them ready to go and be ready for the next 10 years. And that means a young quarterback. Or that means a guy who, you know, maybe it's a little bit unproven that you can get for cheaper. You know, like a Mariota or like a Jimmy G. Guys that have, you know, been okay in the league but never great. And I think that, you know, you're able to give up less assets and see what you can do with them here. And then if a guy drops you in the the first round or you can trade up to get a guy, then you do it. And And you say, okay, we drafted Trey Lance. Great. He can now sit behind Jimmy G for a year. Or two. And then he's ready to go. You know, the Chiefs did the same thing with, with Mahomes. They traded up. They got their guy. And they said, okay, you're sitting behind Alex Smith. Smith starts 15 games. He comes in the last game, plays. They're like, wow, this kid looks really good. Yeah. And then Alex Smith is gone, and he starts the next year. So it's like, that's that thing where it's like, you know, that's, to me, that's the that's the way that I would go with it. Um, you know, we'll see. But I'm not giving up a first-round pick for anyone not named Deshaun Watson. And I talked about this last week on, on the podcast because two of the people had on their buddies of mine. One's a Jets fan, one's a Dolphins fan. And they asked my take about it, and I straight up said I would love Deshaun Watson. It's just I don't want to risk our long-term future surrounding him right. to get him. Because I know it's going to be the first round this year, the first round next year. It. I'm not saying it's going to be a Herschel Walker deal, but very close. Could be. And also, too, just one thing I want to go back to earlier was when I mentioned all this stuff about the ballroom, that's why I knew they did it back in the day, just because that's why that's why I mentioned it. Like, I knew. Yeah. Like, I knew about it. But, no, I, like, I've heard, too, from other people like Jimmy G. It's like, oh, he's this. He's not good anymore. I'm like, what if he just didn't fit in the Shanahan scheme? Like, when the Niners were here in October, the game we unfortunately got our asses kicked, um, Belichick talked with Jimmy. Like, the two of them had a conversation on the sidelines, which Belichick does not usually talk to players pre-game from the other team. Right. So, there's something there. It's it's very simple, right? They were 0-8 when they made the trade. The yeah. Patriots figured they were 0-8. They stink. They're the worst team in the league. We're going to get a solid second-round pick for him. Jimmy G comes in. He starts. They go 6-2. and two. Right? He gets hurt the next year. His problem is the injury history, right? Yeah. He gets hurt the next year. He comes back the next year. They go to the Super Bowl. Right? He yeah. gets hurt this year. They don't make the playoffs. Now, I know yeah. that there were other guys hurt, too. But, like, the fact is, is that you had Jimmy G, you went to the Super Bowl. You don't have Jimmy G, you don't make the playoffs. Like, to me, the guy's a winner. He's just, he wins football games. You put him in the game and he wins. You know? Now, can he stay healthy? Is he a great quarterback? Like, those questions I'm not sure about. But if you're telling me I have to give up, I'm going to pick between giving up a fourth round pick for Jimmy G, or even a third round pick, third yeah. or fourth round pick for Jimmy G, and a first round pick for Matthew Stafford, it's an absolute 100% no brain for me. Yeah, no, same. Like, look, you have to look not only at this year, but you have to look at your long term future. Because obviously, right now, everyone's saying, oh, look, Buffalo's kings of the AFC East, even though after a photo I saw from Diana Rossini that said Patriots, uh, Patriots still cheat, I'm like, look, we live forever rent free in the head of the Bills Mafia, no matter how many Super Bowls Josh Allen wins. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, by the way, and not to, not to interrupt you, but no? just, just as a reminder here, right? And everyone's talking about, someone mentioned this uh, the other day, and it, it's so true, like, the Chiefs are the best team we've ever seen. Yeah, they're unbelievable. They're great. They're 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 the new dynasty. Well, you know who the new dynasty was? The Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, they went to two straight Super Bowls. They were unbelievable. They lost. Russell hasn't been back since. 
So and I'm not saying it's going to happen to the Chiefs, but I'm just saying it's not as easy as you think to get there. And so, like, you know, yeah, sure, they're a good team. But at a certain point, some of those guys are going to start leaving. Kelsey's going to leave. Hill's going to leave. Chris Jones, maybe. Like, those, you just can't pay everyone. It's not possible. So you're going to lose those guys, and then are you going to be able to fill in with, with guys that are good enough to make plays? And, and that's, you know, that kind of becomes the question. And then and if Andy Reid retires, then what happens? You know, so it's like all these things can happen. Yes, let's just, let's not take this for granted. Like, just because the Bills and the Chiefs are really good doesn't mean they're going to be really good forever. And another thing I want to say, too, is say if the Colts go out there and get aggressive and get Matthew Stafford, I think they're right there with those two teams, especially with the weapons the Colts have. Um, But I agree with you fully on the Jimmy G stuff. And even to Marcus Mariota, I just, when you were on your rant, if you saw me looking at my phone, it was just because I wanted to see the uh, Mariota what his contract situation was? He's got another year. I think it's like eight or nine million. It was two years, yeah, seven, two years, yeah. seventeen million. So you're taking a flyer on the guy. So where it's the same thing too. Where I don't want to be continually churning out quarterbacks every year. Like I want to get one of the new white uh, road jerseys, and I'm still trying to figure out who to get. So if I got my I got my Chase Winovich, so we'll hope it, hope he uh, sticks around for a while. You know what? I was thinking about that, but then if Jimmy does end up in our laps, then yeah, it may have oh, to be get a Kyle Duggar, man. I mean that that kid's not going anywhere anytime soon. Or I'll just be completely spontaneous and random and get like a Michael Owenu. There you go. See? Yeah, yeah. Um, another question I want to ask you quickly is: with the running back room next year, do you think Damian Harris is going to be the guy, or like I? That's one. It just it intrigues me because like I feel like with Harris, it was like, oh look, he I unfortunately got hurt, but it was like, hey, he had the one great game on Sunday Night Football, like we saw with Jonas Gray years ago, but then after that, he went very quiet. Well, I think, you know, I think the thing for me that I see from Harris is that he has some of that speed to the outside, which is surprising for a guy his size. He is able to get out to the outside quickly. Now, he dealt with injuries throughout the year, and so we didn't see much of him, like, you you know, to your point. But I think he's pretty clearly a pretty darn good running back. Now, Tony Michelle goes back from his injury. looks like a whole new player when he came back. Yeah. And he was pretty good. You know, his rookie year, he rushed for almost 1,000 yards. He rushed for about four and a half yards of carry. Like he looked pretty darn good his rookie year. Only touchdown in that Super Bowl. Sorry to yeah, cut you off. The, no, no, right. And that and that so I don't know. Like I think you got probably a two headed monster back there. James White's another free agent where yeah. I don't know if he's gonna be back or not. Someone might throw a ton of money at him. Obviously I'd love to see him back here. Uh, we know what he means to them on the field. They all love him off the field too. I'd love to see James White back here, but someone's gonna give him a, a you know, a big contract then what are you going to do? You know, you kind of have to let him walk a Dion, you know, a Dion Lewis type contract where Tennessee threw a ton of money at him. Yeah. And someone might do that. Someone might do that. Cause he's, a, he's an explosive guy with the ball in his hands out of the backfield. But, um, but you know, I, I think it's probably going to be a two headed monster back there where you're going to, you're going to see a decent amount of carries for both of them. Uh, you know, I'd like how they started throwing a Sony a little bit at the end of the year. They threw a Damian Harris a little bit last year too. So like, you know, now that these guys can run and catch the ball in the backfield, like, I think you play both of them. You know, I really do. And and it becomes a fantasy nightmare for all fantasy players to stay away from the Patriots' backfield because, you know, we don't know who's getting the ball. And I think that that's a good thing ultimately for the Patriots. They like having that, you know? Yeah, because that's the thing with my girlfriend. She's gone with Sony Michelle uh, the past couple of years. And she, like, kind of be like, why is Sony doing this, this, this? I'm just like, the Patriots' running back room is like playing roulette. Sometimes you're going to land on black. Sometimes you're going to land on red. Yeah. Um, 
Just, never do it. Yeah. Never do it. It's your own damn fault if you draft if you draft a, a Patriots guy, uh, a Patriots running back in fantasy. Kevin Falksman at UFC for uh, uh, LSU, excuse me, for a few years now. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the last one. Yeah. Um, even to my point earlier about the whole don't go out and spend a crazy amount of money at free agency. I'm not saying don't be cheap, but at the same time, too, I'm not saying they have to go out like with a receiving room even too. I don't feel like we have to go get like you know a Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson. We can go get like um, I'm I'm still a little te- uh, peeved that Chris Olave went back to school. Now obviously that's his choice and I respect it, but yeah. I would have loved Chris Olave at 15. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I talk. I think I talked Ryan and I talked about that when Spags was on here a few weeks ago, and we even talked about the James White stuff too. Just his he had a really unfortunate 2020. Obviously he had the tragedy off the field and right. like he he his only real shining. Sp- spotlight was that Arizona Cardinals game so we didn't get much out of him but yeah the other problem is that Cam doesn't throw the ball Cam didn't throw the ball short well no so they weren't throwing the ball out of the backfield and so it's like you know that's his whole game if if you're not making those throws then what the hell are you using it for you know yeah also to one other thing I wanted to point out quickly before I go back on my receiver thing was with Jimmy with his ACL in 2018 Everyone thinks, oh, like that. It was a freak accident. Like he was being um, Florio, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Obviously, a lot of people who are listening to us, you and I both know Florio. I listen to him daily. Um, he was saying how Jimmy was being careless on the play, and then he, if he pivots his foot the other direction, that he probably does not tear his ACL in 2018. And yeah, that's not just one point. But with the receiving room, like if we go out there, sure, spend money to get like a Chris Godwin, because I feel like. Most of these receivers, it's going to be the same thing as like James White. Not obviously they're better players than him, but where people are going to throw more money at them than you can expect. Uh, even a guy who's under the radar who I would love is Will Fuller. Like I obviously know he's suspended for the first game of the year, but I feel like he's a guy where you know what he comes in, he instantly makes the receiving room a lot better. You have him, you have Myers. We'll see if Edelman comes back. Uh, we'll see. I is. Is Demir Bird was that a two year deal or a one year deal? No, Demir Bird's a one year deal, so we'll see if he comes back or not. But he's he'll be a, a fairly cheap option, I think. Uh, and I think they liked what he brought to the table. If he's their fourth option, he's okay. I think yeah. he's pretty good as their fourth option. If he's their second option, then no. But if he's their fourth option, you know, I think he's a, I think he's decent. I love Godwin. Love yeah. Godwin. I like Corey Davis a lot from Tennessee. I think Corey Davis is. is more expensive than he, than I than he was expected to be this year, since he had like ninety catches this year, and Tennessee had basically never used him before this year. Which sons of bitches, I was like, oh man, we're gonna get yeah. That's the guy I have my eye on because like former first round pick, torch Gilmore a few times, like you know clearly a good player, just could never put it all together, and then he put it together this year. So it was like okay, great timing. So he'll he's gonna get paid, but not not to the level that those other guys are gonna get paid. Even a guy like Marvin Jones might end up getting more than him. So you know. So to me, if that guy, you know, I'd love to see that guy here. Obviously, a Godman would be great. But, you know, to me, it's going to be bring in at least one guy. You're going to have to bring in at least one guy. Does it have to be Allen Robinson? No. Does it have to be Kenny Galladay? No. Like, I don't think they're paying top of the market to a wide receiver. And by the way, they never really have. Like, And it's worked out for them that they haven't, you know. And so you look at it and just say, all right, like, they haven't done that. And historically and I don't think they're going to anytime soon and so you know I I think you go out and get a guy if it's Corey Davis great if it's someone else that's fine too like you're gonna have to get someone that can play and then either you draft someone or maybe you sign a few guys that can play you know but I, I still think you have to address it in the draft too it's another deep receiving class you know you talk about two of the deepest receiving classes of all time 
and you come away with just Nikhil Harry. Like, that's not good enough. You know, yeah. it's not good enough. You have to get someone this year. So maybe Jalen Waddle drops to 15. I don't know. I doubt it, but maybe he does. If that, I mean, that would be a, a slam dunk pick at 15, I think. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think that there are guys, even in the second and third round, that can be playmakers. Tony's a guy who, you know, Kadarius Tony from, yeah. from Florida is a guy that, that I love. Now, whether he drops to 46, probably not. Probably not. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see how we test and everything else, um, you know, at, at his pro day, if they, have, if they have his pro day and whatnot. So, Maybe, maybe he drops. Maybe the Patriots, Patriots trade back to the mid twenties and draft him there. Like you know, so that's we'll see what happens. Fifteen is too high for him, but um, but you know, maybe they trade back and, and ended up with him. You know, in the in the mid to late in the mid to late twenties, and I think that would be great. But we'll see. You're going to have to address it in a few different spots. But I agree with you. Like I'm not spending nineteen million dollars or however much you have to pay to get you know to get Allen Robinson, great receiver, but like you historically haven't needed the number one receiver. Obviously, because of Brady, but also because that's not really how the offense runs. The offense doesn't feed this guy over and over and over again, unless he's Troy Brown, Julian Edelman, or Wes Welker in the slot. You know, like we're not looking at a number one receiver on the outside that you're throwing to. It just doesn't happen. No, no, no. And even to another guy I look at too is Rashard Bateman from Minnesota. Um, another quick thing before we get out of here too, because obviously we've been talking for a little bit. Um, would you take a cheap flyer on like an AJ Green or a Ty Hilton even? So well, it depends. I mean, I'm sure. Like, if it's if it's cheap enough, yeah, why not? You know, the, and the question too is that with a guy like AJ Green, what's what is he going to demand, right? Yeah. What is he going to want? Is he going to wait around? Now, I think I think a one year prove it deal for him could be beneficial for both sides. Okay, hey, we'll give you a one year deal for you know three million bucks. You come in, and if you put on a good season, then you'll get a contract somewhere. You know. But he may say, no, I want to be, you know, the number two option somewhere and I'll only take, you know, X amount of money per year and this and that. Then you say, well, okay, have a nice life. See you later, you know. T.Y. is an interesting – that's interesting because I don't, I'm not sure about T.Y. Um, obviously, he's been up and down, but a good receiver, you know, I think. And I think someone's going to probably give him a decent amount of money, but if he doesn't and you can, and you, he's cheap, sure. Like, you know, I'm not paying top of the – you know, probably – I'm probably not even paying – maybe fair market value for him to be completely honest with you. But yeah. if you're going to tell me he's pretty cheap and I can get him for, you know, a few years at, at a cheap number, sure. I'd take a shot at him. No, I was just got a couple, just a couple quick questions. Because obviously, for like we said, would it be great to have an Allen Robinson in a Patriots uniform? Right. Absolutely. But we don't want to be going out there and giving him. For all the moves you would love to see as your inner fan, you have to be realistic at the end of the day. Obviously, we were living in fantasy land when Tom was here. It was like, oh, hey, look, people are going to come here to play with Tom. One player who had to prove it, not prove it, but who had the one-year deal and then he left was Chris Long. That's someone I think about. You know what? Comes in, has his year, makes his uh, mark, then went on to Philly, obviously, won back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah. That was one That was one player, honestly, who I was really, I was kind of disappointed that didn't stay around. I, yeah. yeah, I liked him. I like and again, he wasn't a huge contributor here, but he did he did okay. Listen, yeah. I mean he he forced a holding call uh, on that on that third down play yeah. uh, against against the Falcons. So you know it's he made his mark. He made his mark. Uh, you know, not a huge not a huge contributor, but good player and a good guy in the locker room too. I mean, you know, he's good player and I liked him a lot. And so yeah. you know, we were, I would have liked to seen him stick around too, but you know, it is what it is. Or for all we know, we can live in a dreamland and somehow land uh, Levante David for next to no money. But I highly doubt that one happens. Right. That's that's the other position you have to get yeah. as, a, as, a, as a linebacker, you know? Yeah. 
You know, one player I do like at linebacker quickly is uh, Matt Milano from Buffalo. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's from Mass, but I believe he went to school in Mass. I think, uh, did he? I'm not I'm, sure. Let's, 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 let's go to Google. Fire up the old Google machine here. Yeah. Uh, Matt Milano is like a, is like a Patriots player, man. He is like a, a prototypical Patriots player. He did. He played at BC, right? Yeah, he was from Orlando, though, but he did. He, uh, BC yeah. boy. Um, obviously a lot of people say, oh, the whole hometown thing. But no, yeah. it was just one player that comes to mind because I feel like for as good like the, the Levante David thing's more of a dream cuz Jason Light obviously would be regardless if they win the Super Bowl or not the Bucks have to lock him up. He's one of the best linebackers in the league. Like you yeah. can't just let him walk for nothing. Um he's also he's also 31. So Yeah, that's the other thing. So that's actually Wait, what's today? No, okay. It was his birthday a few days ago, but either way, but he just, he just turned 31. So it's not I mean he's not old per se. No. But he's a little bit up there, and and I agree with you. Like, if you're Tampa, you're not letting the guy walk. Like, he, he, he's sticking around. Yeah. You know. So, um, but yeah, David or Milano, I think would be great. A guy I like in the draft a lot is Nick Bolton uh, from Missouri. He's kind of that athletic guy. He's a little bit different than the type of player they usually go after, but they need speed and athleticism at the at the at the linebacker position. And you know, they drafted Uche last year, but like Uche's a linebacker, but he's really just an edge rusher. He's not really like an off-the-ball linebacker, Yeah, uh, you know, prototypical. They need speed and athleticism at that prototypical linebacker spot. Uh, you know, you saw how, how much Joe Bentley struggled because he doesn't have those those athleticism traits. And so, you know, he really is, is like an Atlanta Roberts-type player, um, you know, and he just was playing out of position this year because Hightower was gone. And so, you know, if Hightower comes back and they're able to, to fill in, even if whether it's a Matt Milano or geez, I mean a Levante David, like who knows? Yeah, but, you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to address that in free agency, and then I think they're also gonna have to address the draft too. At some oh, oh, 100 percent. And um, just on a couple other quick notes uh, before we went on air, David Culley was hired as the Houston Texans, but that's just a chaotic situation to begin with. And 65 years old. Yeah, it'll be 66. He's he's an old 65 because it's September, so he's gonna be 66 when the season. Well, like you know, after the first or second game. And look, you know, first African American hired this cycle. Um, you know, and maybe they. I don't know, right? Very well respected coach, obviously. Maybe this is the guy that Deshaun Watson wanted. I don't know, right? He's coming from Baltimore. And so maybe Watson said, I want to, I want the offense to look a little bit more like Baltimore's offense does. Um, you know, in the fact that we're doing a little bit more RPOs, maybe I'm running a little bit more. Maybe we have some, you know, the do more in the running game to kind of take the pressure off the passing game a little bit. So maybe that was the case. I don't know. Uh, but like I said, I mean, it's not like they didn't just hire the guy. I mean, he's a very well-respected guy, but it's his first head coaching job. And by the way, he's never even been an offensive coordinator. Um, his first head coaching job at 65, and so it's a it's a little bit of a head scratcher when you see all these young guys getting jobs, and then all of a sudden this old guy's getting a job that you know has never had a head coaching job before. Uh, I don't think even at the co- at the collegiate level has he ever been a head coach. So it's really interesting when you look at it and say like this guy's never yeah he's been in like assistant head coach or like a co head whatever, but like never been an actual head coach. It'll, I don't know. That's Nick Casera's first big big move, and it's just a little surprising. Now, maybe it could work. I don't know. But, like, and again, if it was Watson's guy, and they liked him enough, and they said, okay, this is your guy, Deshaun. Like, we're doing you a solid. He's coming in. He's going to be the coach. Then, shoot, I mean, what what choice do you have, really? You know, if, if you know, you say, okay, we could hire this guy or that guy. 
but Deshaun Watson wants this guy. Okay, I guess we're taking this guy. You know, like it's just it's and Leslie Frazier. It seems like was the other was the other option. And listen, I know what type of head coach Leslie Frazier is. I don't know what type of head coach this guy is. So I'll take this guy over Leslie Frazier. Exactly. And the only other thing I want to say quickly too is I'm not going to go into it, but the reports today about I believe Chad Wheeler is the guy's name. I don't even really care about it. All I have to say is just look. I don't want to talk about what he did. I'm just going to come out and straight up say it. I do not condone what he did, and I love the fact that there's so many people taking a stand against it, and the fact that Seattle's Seattle basically came out and said right away, "Yeah, we're not resigning the guy," and I don't think he should ever play in the league again. Like for what he did oh, was just horrible. But this is this is the problem, right? Yeah. And this is the real issue. Obviously, clearly horrific, horrifying. Yeah. Should should never play in the league again. And by the way, will never play in the league again because he's some random offensive lineman. Yeah. Now, obviously, obviously, he has bipolar disorder as well. Um, you know, that came out and so he's been off his meds. So that may have contributed to it still, still not acceptable. Yeah. Right. But like, but at least there's maybe some explanation as to what the hell happened there where he had some sort of episode and, you know, and that is partly to blame again, doesn't mean he still shouldn't be arrested and go to jail for it. He's already been arrested, been charged with multiple counts of, of a bunch of different things. So, um, he's never going to play in the league, but this is what happens, right, in the NFL. We talk a big game, and we talk about this, and we talk about that because, you know, oh, hey, you know, this is a real serious issue. We take this seriously. And as fans, we do take it seriously. Yeah. But then Kareem Hunt kiss, kicks a girl, you know, on, on video, and we're okay with it because he's a good player, right? And he gets away with it because, hey, he's a good player, and he comes back. You know, now, what – Hunt did, and what what this guy did is not on the same level. No, right? like, this guy actually tried to kill his his girlfriend. Like that's a completely different level. But the point is the same. Like the point I'm trying to make is that your talent level, and it's true, pretty much anywhere you go, your talent level and how much people around you need you. Well, that means you can get away with a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so, you know, and so that's that's what happens. Ray Rice, the Ray Rice situation, he gets kicked out of football. Why? Because he sucked. He was on the downswing. He was 31 years old. He's a running back. You know, he was he was cooked. He was past his prime. Like what? that was 23-year-old Ray Rice? I don't know. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying that he would, but I don't know. Maybe he would have. Maybe he'd still be in the league. Well, he wouldn't still be in the league now, but maybe he would have played a few more years in the league. So those are those things where it's like, yes, it's an issue. It's obvious. It's an issue in society. Forget about it. Yeah. It's an issue in society that we have to deal with, but we have to deal with it in a way that shows that we're not going to tolerate it. You know, the Giants for years kept their kicker was was hara- I mean, like just those horrifying stories about what the kicker did to his wife at the freaking Pro Bowl. Yeah, I'll drink. Dread- security had to step in, and they didn't do anything about it. And it's just like, how do you let that happen? And so we have to have more accountability. And because there hasn't been in the past. You know, if we can change that, great. But I'm skeptical as to whether the NFL will actually change that the next time, if it happens, with, you know, a high-profile guy. This guy, he's some schlub who's never going to play again because he's like a backup. So who the hell cares? Yeah. So, yeah, of course he'll never play again. And then if you're talking about a franchise player, well, now they're able to get away with a little bit more. Like, look at Tyreek Hill, for example. Like, what he did. He got away with it. Like, I even saw it, too. Like, there was cases of... When his girlfriend was pregnant, he pushed her down the stairs and then, like, apparently broke his, like, three-year-old's arm. Like, stuff like that. Like, like I respect his game and everything and his athleticism. I just do not like the person Tyreek Hill because of all that. Well, and there's, of course, there's arguments like, well, he was never convicted of it. 
right? There was yeah. she never pressed charges. So like, so you can't prove they did anything wrong. But this is the issue that society is having. Domestic violence is hard to stop because the people that are involved in it don't want to cause trouble. Don't and they feel like the victims? So then they, it's this whole. It's just it's a mess. It's it's a it's a boogeyman that goes back to like the whole concussion days. That was really um exploited more or less with the will smith movie that came out in 2015 that really opened not only nfl fans but like everyone who wasn't an nfl fan to the world of actually the seriousness of cte um i just wanted to bring that up quickly just because obviously i did not want to like not address the issue like i know we're here to have fun get people's minds off stuff because obviously the world's a bit cha- a little bit chaotic right now i just say a little bit um and obviously, we've been talking for a long time. Hopefully, we haven't taken too much of your time up. But uh, no, before before we go, I just wanted to ask you quickly, since uh, you and I, I don't know if we'll speak again on here before, who do you got winning the Super Bowl? Oh, uh, so I'm, I'm rooting for Tampa. Yeah. Um, I think that Kansas City's going to win, but I'm rooting for Tampa. Um, I just think it's hard to bet against Brady yeah. at all. It's hard to ever bet against Brady. Um, and so, you know, I'm rooting for Tampa to win. I think it'll be cool. I also think legacy-wise, if you're a Patriots fan, you should be rooting for Tampa Bay. Because legacy-wise, you look at Mahomes three years in, if he wins a second championship now, not that not that he's going to catch Brady. I'm not saying he's going to catch Brady. But if he if it's 6-2, six 6-2 and two, six and two is a hell of a lot closer than 7-1. and one. You know, if Brady's got 7, I mean... It's going to be awfully difficult for Mahomes to catch him, and it's still going to be difficult for him to catch him, anyways. But yeah. like, if it's seven and one, I mean, my God, I mean that's just, and that's otherworldly. And you look at it too. I mean, that's, and then it will shut everyone up for the love of just shut up with Mahomes being the goat. And yeah, just, right. Stop it. Stop. You know, and so that's that's another reason why it's like shut those idiots up. They keep talking about Mahomes being the goat, and you know Brady wins, and then and then we're done. You know, and that, and it'd be cool. I mean, you know, it'd be fun to see him win. Uh, you know, Gronk, I can take or leave, but but yeah. I, I'd be happy to see him win um, a seventh one because it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it w- it would be. Um, I just had to cough because sorry, I, someone named Nick Wright came to my mind when he said that because he had some absurd argument today saying if Mahomes wins, it's better than like. And he lists off like Gretzky, Jim Brown, Kareem. I, I literally the retweet a gif of John Taffer going like, "How drunk are you right now?" Like being like, like, and even too, I hear like, I don't know why, but I listen uh, to Get Up every day, and yeah. part of me has problems with Mike Greenberg when he asks questions, and he already said this is the greatest quarterback matchup of all time, and I'm just, in a Super Bowl, and I'm like, I jokingly went, "Oh, what about Kerry Collins and Trent Dilfer?" Um, yeah, right. But no, um, oh, I mean, you could make that that argument. You can make. Yeah, right? you can say Brady's the greatest of all time. Mahomes obviously is a great player, right? Now, whether he's able to to continually go back like Brady did, that's another question. We don't know that, of course, but like, it's a hell of a matchup, QB wise. You, know, you talk about legacies being on the line and stuff, and I think that's that's what makes this even more important. Um, you know, I stupidly last week picked I picked the Packers and the Bills, oh. and listen, I did that because that's who I wanted to win. And as I was doing it, and I'm, I just pick for Tally said, I'm not betting or anything like that, but yeah. as I was doing it, I'm saying, like, I, I didn't feel good about it. I felt like both those teams are going to lose. And if I were actually putting money on it, I would have put money on the Chiefs and I would have put money on the Bucks because realistically, those are the two teams I thought were going to win. But I was like, no, screw it. Like, And I, I think I tweeted out, like, 
you know, I, I bet against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes this weekend. I'm either really smart or really dumb. <laughs> it turned out I'm really dumb. You know, it's just like, eh, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, they, everyone makes mistakes. That's why they put uh, pencils on erasers. Um, well, anyway, Pat, thank you very much for joining. Hopefully, everyone who either is not a Patriots fan listening to this now knows, oh, this is what they want. Or if you're a Patriots fan listening to this, you know what, guys? Now you get a little bit of an insight of, hey, what exactly this team needs to do if they want to improve going forward next year. But, uh, Pat, plug your, I know it's been a while since you've been on here, but uh, plug yourself away. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. So I'm on uh, Pat's Pulpit. I actually was mentioned on, on Patriots.com yesterday, which is pretty cool, uh, on just on the links thing uh, about my Stafford article, actually, which is kind of cool. And then Spags, my co-host, was mentioned in Fitzy's article on WEI uh, this morning, so which was cool. So uh, doing some doing some big things over there, but I host the, I host the Patriot Nation podcast with Spags, uh, Ryan Spagnoli, on um, – on the Pats Public Podcast Network and on Twitter, I am at plane underscore Pats. Always willing to talk and uh, you know anything football, anything football you want to talk about, I'm there. Marvel, any of those things, man, I'm I'm, I'm always down. And you can always find us both on the locker room app from time to time. Uh, yes, we have to give them a quick shout out there. Courtney and the team do a great job with everything at Howard too. Um, well, anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow as I got some more conversations with some other buddies. But anyway, Pat, it's been a blast, and I hope everyone has a good night, and thank you for listening. Thanks. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.